Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Today we've got a crazy pro-revenge story going head-to-head with a law firm. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, can't get my car from a company car park? Enjoy loads of taxi fare charges, plus extra petty revenge from my boss. This particular company had a staff entrance at the side of the building where the staff used to enter and exit, and there was a works car park there too. There was also a very posh entrance at the front of the building, which was reserved for the directors and any customers that visited. It was known that if any staff tried to use the front entrance, we called it the exec entrance, they would normally get told off for overstepping their rank. Yes, some companies are still this backwards, even in the mid-2010s. Anyway, this starts on one particular morning, where a customer I'd been working with was visiting our building. My boss's boss not only gave me free reign to come and go through the main entrance to facilitate our customer, For example, people arriving at different times, taking them for lunch, doing a tour of the building, etc. But he also authorized a parking space for me in the posh exec car park. This was signed off by one of the directors. No issues, we had a great day, and the customer was very impressed. All cars parked in the exec car park had their keys kept by reception. I assume because mine was a Nissan, Key, and not the posh BMWs and Audis, They weren't too bothered on keeping an eye on it. Feeling like I'd done a good day's work, I went back to get my car from the posh part of the building. Living in England, the rain had picked up, so I was looking forward to getting out of the bad weather. Being selfish, I had my hair done quite nicely and it would be nice to come back home looking presentable. What I didn't know was that after 5pm, the posh entrance was closed. There's a secure gate to stop vehicles going in and out. And unfortunately, my car was parked in the secure part. To make things worse, I'd left my car keys with the receptionist who had already finished for the day. This was when I learned that we worked hard so the directors didn't have to. This takes place before taxi apps were commonplace. So I was stood in the rain for about half an hour waiting for an overpriced taxi from the nearby railway station, getting more and more frustrated that I couldn't go home in my own car. So, I ended up sat in a taxi, very annoyed, hair and makeup ruined, staring at a bill for 50 British pounds just to get home. Let alone the trip back to work the next day, which cost slightly more due to rush hour traffic. When I went to grab my car keys the next day, I walked through the exec entrance. Within seconds, I was asked why I was entering through this door. I said, morning all, you've got my keys, my car's parked there. Look, it's the blue car in space number 6. And I expected just to get given my keys and told to go away. However, what I was told was no. Sorry, this is an executive entrance. Please exit the building and use the staff entrance round the corner. I politely said, look, my car's parked just outside. You have my keys in that box by your arm that you're pointing with. Can you just give me my keys so I can leave and take my car with me? Well, this didn't happen. The person behind the desk was so proud that they have some power over others, and I was just told, only senior employees and customers are permitted here. 
Please use the side door. You are not authorized to use this entrance. Please do not try and enter again, otherwise you will be written up. I wasn't rude, but I realized being written up wouldn't be of any favor to me. I also got annoyed that I'd put the effort in earlier, so I wouldn't fight what could be construed as a disciplinary threat. The last thing I asked was that I had this written in a formal email, which the angry secretary was more than happy to do so, including phrases like gross misconduct and a serious lack of respect. Not only did I save this email to every folder in my mailbox, I printed it a few times and stored it in various places around where I worked, just so I could get a hold of it if needed. Petty revenge activated. Shortly after this, I told my boss that the senior team wouldn't let me get my car back and threatened to write me up for asking so. He was 100% behind me. He said if the company's holding your car, get taxis everywhere, your commute, going to get lunch, your gym session in the evening, etc. So that's what I did. I left my car in the executive car park and just took cabs everywhere, basically my personal life. I took lunch out of office every day. I went grocery shopping as I normally do, twice a week, plus one or two times for quick visits when I forgot something, going to the gym, visiting my parents, nights out with my boyfriend. I purposely left my car in that car park as long as I could, until I got asked about it, all the time racking up taxi fares. I had it in writing for my manager, and since neither of us were exec level, we didn't want to push back. Rather, I just wanted to see how far I could push it. After seven weeks, one of the directors had noticed my car looking very sorry for itself in their car park. At least one customer had asked why there was an abandoned car there with bird poo all over it and a flat tire. We have car park passes, so it only took a few seconds to ask which employee car pass number 12345 belonged to. And when I was asked, I forwarded the email saying I wasn't allowed to get my car back. I then asked if I could get half an hour with the legal director, as I wasn't sure if this was illegal, preventing an employee from retrieving their own car. As soon as I mentioned the legal director, I was asked to come straight in via the posh entrance and speak to a few of the directors who'd somehow made time for me. Literally, I sent my email at 11 a.m., and by the time I'd got back from lunch in a taxi at 1 p.m., I had an email requesting a chat ASAP. They were quite nervously sat around a table, and as soon as I mentioned the potential legal issue of withholding an employee's personal possessions without due reason, the directors fell over themselves to apologize and say it was a miscommunication, and I was free to take my car back. I asked why it took seven weeks to get to this point, and I'd wanted my car back as soon as I could because, well, it's my car. The directors had no answer and were surprisingly very quiet. Well, that's where it gets fun. I presented a bill for about 3,000 pounds of taxi fares over seven weeks and said that this needed paying. Furthermore, as my car now had a flat battery and looked awful, the company could also pay for recovery to my car dealership, pay for car detailing because of the bird poo all over it, and a full dealership service and health check, plus two months finance that I was paying on the car that they had in their possession. 
I also told them that I would no longer entertain any customers going forward, and pulled out the printout that I was supposed to be able to park there and entertain customers as necessary, signed by one of the directors in that very room. The atmosphere was not only tense enough that you could cut it with a butter knife, but I felt a resounding feeling of deflation from the directors, who had realized they'd screwed up by asking employees to do their work for them, for example, showing customers around, and then doubling down by kicking those employees out of their little corner before the job was complete. All in all, I wouldn't be surprised if it cost the company over £6,000 just because I wasn't allowed to go and get my car back from the manager's parking because a secretary didn't let me. I also heard it on the grapevine that as I declined to carry out any customer hospitality visits, this particular customer wasn't impressed that their previous friendly, knowledgeable folks were no longer available. My boss, who had supported me all the way, had stood behind me and said that his team would no longer carry out any customer visits either. Our customers weren't amused when the directors took them to golf and posh dinners, but made no commitments or shared any information on the work that we'd be doing with them. They didn't renew their seven-figure contract. I'm not sure if I was just told that to make me feel better or not, but either way, smiles all around for me. My little car is still going strong, I'm in a much better place, and whenever I drive past the company's buildings, I give them a salute. I'll let you guess how many fingers I use. A little addendum that I heard a bit later, when my boss went to go and see the angry secretary, presumably to try and cool things down, she also told him to get out. He was told no but then he asked if she could swipe him through the side entrance, which was an all-employee corridor. She said, no, go back outside. As mentioned, this is England. It was pouring with rain. He was wearing a suit as he was seeing a customer later, because I said I wasn't doing it. No matter, she stood by saying no, so he asked for an umbrella. Was told to get out unless he wanted to get written up too. He doesn't take BS anywhere near as much as I do. He's got nearly 40 years in the company, and they know they can't lose them. He used his very expensive laptop as an umbrella instead, got back to his desk with a completely dead machine, and then billed the further £3,000 for a new machine to the secretary's company code. He made sure her name was on the bill. Fast forward three months, and for some reason, the directors were down one angry secretary. I can't imagine why. I feel like this secretary was a prison guard in another life. Can't quite put my finger on why though. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, neighbors threw their trash all over our deck, reported their car for registration fraud. Neighbors from our apartment building decided to be psycho about assigned trash bins. There's four for the whole apartment building, and it really doesn't matter. It shouldn't be assigned. They could have thrown their trash in my trash bin, and I wouldn't have cared. There's four to use. So they took their trash and strung it out all over our deck and told the landlord it was us, and even tried to get us to admit we did it when it's clear they did. We were in Massachusetts, and their car had Texas plates. They've resided here since September. In Massachusetts, you have to register your car as soon as you move somewhere. There's no grace period. It's registration fraud and excise tax evasion if you don't. I reported their car to the anonymous tip portal. They can have fun with the investigation and resulting fees. 100% it's time to get a camera, and 100% if they do anything like that again, 
do a little bit more than reporting their car to authorities. Our next story is, stepdad stole $60 worth of change from me, so I stole 200 bucks from his wallet. This happened a couple of years ago when I was about 13 or 14. I'm 16 now, but I just thought about it. I used to have a piggy bank that counted the change as I put the coins in there, and I remember I had around 60 something dollars worth of change in the bank, and I'd left it on my dresser once because my mom was going to take me to Walmart to trade it for cash after school. When I came back from school, the bank was gone, and I asked my mom about it, and she tells me that my stepdad cashed it out himself and that he would give me the cash back. And I'm like, okay. About two weeks go by, and I never got the cash back, so I start asking about it. And my mom says he kept the cash because it makes up for all the haircuts and gifts he's got me. So one day, when he comes home from work, we were gonna have a barbecue, so he was outside, and he had his wallet and phone on the table outside. He carries a lot of cash, so I waited for him to go back inside, and I took $200 from his wallet and went back inside to my room and hid it in my sock drawer. I remember him asking me and my mom what happened to the money, and my mom didn't believe that I would steal from him, so she just said that the wind probably blew it away because his wallet was outside. My middle school was right beside a shopping center that had Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, and Wendy's, so every day when the bus would drop me off, I would go to any of those places for breakfast until my $200 ran out. Normally in no way would I ever say that stealing from a parent or a step-parent's wallet can ever really be justifiable. It felt at least a little bit in this situation, although $200 is a lot more than they took from OP. Maybe OP was just counting interest on the money that he had stolen from him. This next story is, you can't use my neighborhood as a speed trap. I live in a quiet neighborhood. For some reason, this cop has been parking on one side of the road, blocking through traffic on one side, even though there's dozens and dozens of free parking spaces, and he minorly disrupts traffic just sitting there. This is a road that normally has no street parking allowed unless you're quickly running into your unit with your hazards on. My town's police department is super corrupt. The former mayor slash police has an open case against him right now, so this makes me uncomfortable. So every time I see him, I make sure to open Google Maps, but in navigation mode, and mark him as a speed trap. I don't know if that's what he's trying to do, but I figure that'll help. 100% they're sitting there waiting for somebody to go by just a little too fast. Lord knows countless times how you'll be driving on a highway or even like a toll road that has a very strict speed limit. I know of one that is like a pure highway, but for some reason towards the end it goes down to like 55. Obviously you're hurling down the road at like 70, there's hardly any cars there and it's a highway. And you better believe there's almost always a cop car parked out there just trying to catch somebody slipping. Our next story is, do the dishes or sleep with them? My ex-boyfriend and I hated doing dishes and agreed to split the task. He didn't hold up his end of the bargain though, and one day, I got tired of it. I had refused to do the dishes for a few days, and I came home from work to find they were still piled in the sink. He was out and would be for a while, so I took the dishes and piled them onto his side of the bed. I then packed a bag and went to stay at a friend's house. I'll give him some credit, he didn't freak out on me. He took his punishment and did the dishes and washed the bedding. When I came back home, he simply said, So you were a bit mad, huh? 
Stuff like doing the dishes honestly is one of the most annoying things to me. I still battle with it, but I try to keep in mind that if you stay on top of it, it's not going to take very long, and you're always very satisfied when it's just done and out of the way. I couldn't imagine making an agreement with your partner who you care about, and not even like attempting to hold up to your end of the bargain. Our next story is, baby brother doesn't get away with stealing bath beads. My baby brother loved his baths. He was known for multiple refills and the hijacking of our bathroom for years. The family would say things like, yeah, he had a two refill night, meaning he had his original bath, then drained and refilled two more times for a total of three baths, spanning approximately two and a half to three hours. He also learned to open the cabinet door and pull the drawer out so you couldn't pop the lock to go in and physically remove him. Parents had zero control over him. When he was around 10 or 12 years old, and I, female, 16 to 18, he would steal my bath oils, salts. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In bubble baths that I bought with my own money, when I would yell at him, he would laugh in my face because there was nothing I could do about it. I went to my parents and my mom told me it was my fault for not hiding them well enough. Insert, are you kidding me? So I took matters into my own hands and one time realized I could get him where it hurts and cut off his access to hot water by shutting off the hot water line. To add to the pettiness, the first time I did it, I waited about 30 seconds so he had just enough water in the tub to actually make him cold on the rest of his body. At first he thought the power went out and was yelling for help. I immediately ran to the door to help him. I ended up figuring it out about 20 minutes later. I continued doing this for the next week and he caught on and all heck broke loose. I could actually hear him flailing in anger, yelling profanities, but he had zero control now. He paid for his theft for months. It got to the point where I would shut off the hot water and then leave the house. I just reminded my parents of the situation, and my dad was laughing so hard he couldn't talk. I'm just thinking about this guy's poor skin, that can't be good, right? Multiple times a week, just staying submerged for two and a half to three hours? Wouldn't that be bad for your skin, or am I overthinking it? Our next story is dealing with law firms, trying to change the meaning of words? Both can play that game. This happened during the past week. I'm currently moving from the country that I reside to, to another country, and for that I need some documents notarized and apostolized. 
I'm quite in a rush because some governments are on vacation mode in some countries since it's the World Cup. So I contacted a law agency and I've paid their fast track fee. That's basically the same thing as a fast track on air companies. You pay a crap load of more money just to cut in line. That's not something I was willing to do on normal occasions, but I needed that thing ASAP. And I know I'd be eating rice seasoned with water for the rest of the month. Two days later, I received an email from the law company, freely adapted because I don't want to be sued. Congratulations, your documents are ready. But because the mail is on strikes, we will not be able to deliver to you in time unless you pay us ransom fee so we can deliver to you using a private delivery in time or you'll receive when the strikes are over. Now I've paid over $100 more to have this done in time, and I was sincerely not happy. And by previous conversations with lawyers, I know that I can't say anything that might be taken out of context. Having two lawyers in my family did wonders, so I replied back, Good morning, law company. I've paid the fast track fee to make sure I would receive this in time. If I won't receive in time, please reimburse the fee. They said, we followed the contract and everything is done. We won't be able to refund your fee since this is a third-party delay and it's in the rules that we do not care about that. Oh boy, did they just blame a third party when the document was with them? I said, good morning, law company. The documents are with you, not with a third party. If I won't receive it in time, please reimburse the fee. Now you could see the frustration on their next emails, since it was using words in bold, black, green and orange, just missing some arrows pointing to me where I was wrong. But I was getting into my Bob Dylanistic self and ready to answer. The email was too long so I won't paste it here, but it involved rhythmized poetry explaining why they didn't fulfill their contract with circles and arrows and a paragraph on the back of each one explaining where each one was. And thanks Arlo Guthrie and Bob Dylan for the email inspiration. The next email was my success, and this excerpt is exactly what I received from the law firm, just removing trackable information. Hello OP, sensing a lot of hostility from your end, despite the fact that we're just waiting for you to make a simple decision. To avoid this email theatrics slash dramatic explanations, we've decided to arrange ourselves to send the document to your address. Next thing you know though, they're gonna send you that letter there and then send you a bill for the envelope it was sent in, the stamp, and you better believe that's a $10 envelope, you better believe that's a $5 stamp. They're gonna charge you for the saliva used to seal the envelope. Gotta love it. Our next story is, drug dealing neighbor let his dog roam, mauls my dog, I get him raided by state police. From 2015 to 2016, I was searching for a dog. I wanted either an Australian cattle dog or border collie for my farm, but wasn't interested in paying $1,000 for a mill puppy. Eventually, I found an old Australian cattle dog that some Mennonites were giving away. He was old, but had some years left in him. My neighbor was a local lowlife that people hated or feared. In 2008, he shot someone in the face while arguing over $20 in beer money and had been a local troublemaker who lost his license after too many DWIs. He would walk to the bar in the next town over and once climbed into a barn loft on the way home, lit up a joint, passed out, then woke in time to escape the barn fire he caused. He was in trouble a couple of times for going into random houses to raid the kitchen just to make coffee. His main income was from growing and selling weed before it was state legal. 
and he was a drunk. All he did all day was drink, smoke weed and tobacco, and listen to the radio in a shack he built on land he was squatting on. He owned the lot next to it. He used to work for a well company and would claim he was fired for having sciatica, but when I talked to his former co-workers when trying to get a well drilled at my place, they claimed he was fired for being drunk and high on the job or not showing up at all. I kind of likened him to Towley on South Park. I tried to be neighborly and he kept claiming he couldn't work because of sciatica. I tried to get him on disability. He would get frustrated trying to fill out the forms, toss them aside and get drunk. Eventually I filled the forms out with him and as I had a truck at the time, I drove him three counties over to see the review doctor who declared he didn't have sciatica and was just a lazy drunk. He let his pit bull run loose all day as he was too lazy to use a chain, would pass out drunk at 10am most days. I'd give him rides to a truck stop where we got two gallons of cheap vodka a week, a case of beer, and a bag of rolling tobacco. I refused when he tried to sell me his food stamps for beer money. Since I had plans to get a dog, chickens, and cattle, I was concerned over the loose pit bull which had tried to get into my cabin after my cat one time. The drunk D kept refusing to use a chain claiming it was too much work. After I had my dog, I was wary but still took him on what walks he could handle and he loved taking the leash and going for a mile out and a mile back and to accustom him to my farm's perimeter, I would walk him around daily, sometimes several times a day. Within a few weeks, I was walking him in front of the field when the pit was wandering along the road. She ran, charging up the road and latched onto my old dog's neck, shaking him around like a rag doll. I was unarmed and the pit ignored my efforts. Dee heard the commotion and ran down the road too, and to his credit, he helped get the pit off my dog and held her down by laying on her while I picked my dog up and ran to my cabin. I got him inside and looked him over quick, then went back to make sure my neighbor wasn't injured, since his pit had bit him after letting go of my dog. He was fine and the pit was back to wandering loose. I again voiced my concern over the dog being loose and reminded him that it kept coming to my farm, going after my cat and trying to get in the chicken coop. I again asked him to use a chain, and he refused. It's too much work. I then told him I was taking my dog to the vet. He said, you better not. If he needs a vet, then you better put him down. If you go to the vet, animal control might come and find my crops, and admitted that the law would hold him at fault for the loose pit. I told him I would lie, and claim a coyote did it, but that I expected him to pay the vet bill. He said, no, I need all my money for vodka. I told him I would accept a pound of his hippie swamp weed as payment. I would have just sold it to get the vet money. He refused. I need it for smoking, he said. I then told him if he wouldn't keep his pit on a chain and wouldn't pay for the damages, then I expected him to put the pit down to prevent this kind of thing from happening again. No, I need her to guard my crops, he said. He was getting a sadistic grin, refusing to do anything while I tried to be reasonable. Then he said, if you go to a vet, we won't be friends anymore. Put your dog down. If you go to a vet, I'll shoot you. He shot someone once before and shot at others, who he caught trying to steal his crops. A lot of local lowlifes who wouldn't go to the cops for it. I went home and molded over. I had no fear of him as I grew up around people much worse than him. Eventually, I decided that there was no point in trying to be reasonable with him. He would just walk all over me and see me as weak if I didn't retaliate, and diplomacy had failed. First, I took my dog to the vet. 
it set me back a thousand dollars which i eventually had to sell my truck as a result of the financial hit i then took the vet report down to the state troopers barracks and told them everything i knew about the guy his illegally owned guns a sawed off 410 shotgun he couldn't have a gun after the aforementioned incident with someone in the face with a 22 in 2008 and for doing a year for assault the victim declined to press charges hence only a year for assault as well as letting them know about his crops, etc. With the vet paperwork, they had probable cause to go to his shack and discover his crops. He was promptly raided and avoided jail by squealing on the guy who sold him the gun, a local unofficial dealer who sold guns to ex-cons, and a few other drug dealers, thus avoided jail time, but his operation was shut down and he was on parole. So his main income was gone, and his ability to smoke his own weed. He used a chain from then on. The following winter, he passed out drunk in the snow and lost both legs due to frostbite, then moved to a nursing home. The legit owner of the land he squatted on was finally able to sell it, previously afraid of being shot, hence letting him squat unchallenged. And a couple years later, he died in that nursing home. My dog went on to live another two years until he had a lot of health issues, blind, deaf, no teeth, incontinent, and mobility problems. I kept steers on that field and had lots of free-range chickens. Honestly, I'm glad that things came down on this guy, and to be honest, more than anything, I'm just glad the dog ended up alright. That said, our final story of the day is, small business client goes no contact after my uncle makes her a website, so he shuts down her site. Okay, to start, my uncle's been a competent programmer for many years, at least since the earliest 2000s, and even coded a system for his company once, so it's safe to say that he's one smart cookie. But one person thought she was smarter than him, and that she could screw him out of a website, so my uncle got back at her. So, my uncle sometimes does odd jobs for clients as a sort of side hustle, making websites, debugging and or creating software, retrieving data that an intern misplaced, etc. On one of these jobs, he gets a woman that has her own small business. If I remember correctly, he told me it sold beauty products and cosmetics like perfumes, colognes, makeup, etc. She wants her website to have all of the bells and whistles. So instead of going to one of those websites that lets you build one yourself, she decides to get him to do it because of his programming knowledge. So he makes her websites and includes just about everything. Links to various social media, the ability to make an account on the website, subscription services, everything. But after giving it to her server, she locked him out and not only ghosted him, but also blocked him on her personal and business phones. So it's clear she had no intention of paying him the whole thing. Cue the pro revenge. So two things I should mention. One, my uncle had her sign a contract, which stated she would pay one-fourth the whole price in a lump sum, which she did. Two, the contract stated she would pay in monthly installments, roughly 30 days, and promised repercussions legal or otherwise for non-payment. So, my uncle waits the 30 days, no payment, so he figures he should make due on his portion of the contract. Inside the code of the website is a code snippet that my uncle calls a cyanide pill, which essentially checks a boolean variable called payment every 24 hours. And if it's false, the opacity is decreased little by little. But if it's true, then the entire opacity is restored. So basically, if my uncle didn't manually change it from his computer, the screen would just be white. 
She eventually calls him and threatens to sue him for sabotaging her business. My uncle reminds her that she signed a contract with a witness and legal counsel present, so it would be cheaper to just pay him. She instead did decide to try and sue him, but in court it was an open and shut case, since she signed the contract, and she was ordered to pay the rest in a lump sum, which put her in trouble because it ate away at most of her business's profits. The opacity thing is kind of fun, but you should have just straight up went full on, big block text, they did not pay for this website. Also, I cannot believe that they wouldn't just pay for the website versus paying for lawyers and trying to sue when there was a pretty clear airtight contract signed. Just not smart at all. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.